No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Babylonian envoys visit Hezekiah. He shows them all his treasures. Then Isaiah prophesies that the day will come when the king's possessions and sons will be taken captive to Babylon. We hope you join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Isaiah chapter 39 on Simply the Bible. Even the best one of us has feet of clay. This is true of Hezekiah, the king of Judah. He had been an excellent king, but he was subject to the same weaknesses as we are. God allowed him to be tested to see what was in his heart, just as he allows us to be tempted and tested. Now, that's not to harm us, but to prove and refine us. But we must always be on our guard, lest we fall into temptation and the deceitfulness of sin. We continue in Isaiah chapter 39. At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that he had been sick and had recovered. Now, history tells us that this king of Babylon had rebelled against Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. And in 703 BC, he defeated the Assyrians at Kish. He was likely seeking allies in his ongoing resistance against Assyrian domination. Therefore, it is likely that his get well gift to King Hezekiah of Judah had an ulterior motive. Verse 2, And Hezekiah was pleased with them and showed them the house of his treasuries, the silver and gold, the spices and precious ointment and all his armory, all that was found among his treasures. There was nothing in his house or in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Now, it's interesting that Hezekiah, when he had received a letter from Sennacherib threatening to invade Jerusalem, well, he immediately spread that before the Lord and prayed, and then he sent his officials to Isaiah to seek his help. But when he received this favorable, flattering letter from the Babylonian king, Hezekiah did not spread it before the Lord or even confer with Isaiah. Sometimes Satan will come against us as a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. We might consider that a frontal assault, but other times he comes to us as a deceiving serpent. And his tactic seems to be, if you can't beat them, join them. Well, Hezekiah was feeling good because when he had been diagnosed with a terminal illness, he prayed to the Lord and God granted to him 15 more years. Sometimes when we are feeling good and feeling euphoric over answered prayer in this case, we can let our guard down and make foolish decisions. It was unwise for Hezekiah to show these Babylonian envoys all of his house of treasures and precious spices and fragrant costly oils, all of his armory, munitions, and all of the riches accumulated by the former kings of Judah, Hezekiah was showing off. He took pride in that which was truly a gift of God. 
We read about this time in 2 Chronicles 32, 24. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death, and he prayed to the Lord, and he spoke to him and gave him a sign. But Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor shown him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore, wrath was looming over him and over Judah and Jerusalem. You know, when we are lifted up in pride, then God is preparing to humble us. That's the way it works. And God had heard Hezekiah's prayer, and he granted him 15 more years. He extended his life so that he didn't die of that illness. But Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor shown him. When God bestows grace and blessing on us, it's for a purpose, and we in turn should bestow that grace and blessing upon the Lord and upon others. Jesus said in Matthew 10:8, freely you have received, freely give. But Hezekiah's heart was lifted up in pride, and he was taking credit for what God had done by grace. He was treating as his own what truly belonged to God. Flattery is dangerous because it feeds the ego and deceives us, and then we can make foolish decisions. We also read in 2 Chronicles 32-31, regarding the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, whom they sent to Hezekiah to inquire about the wonder that was done in the land, God withdrew from him in order to test him that he might know all that was in his heart. I wonder how many of us could have passed such a test as this. I would never want God to withdraw from me, to test me, to show me and him what is in my heart. According to Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The only thing that keeps us on the straight and narrow is the Lord, the Holy Spirit and his word. So who can know what's really in our hearts? It's only God who searches the heart. And he allows us to be tempted and tested to show us and him what is in our heart. I believe that the last two years of this pandemic have been such a test. Many have withdrawn from the church, presumably because of fear. But unfortunately, they have not returned. What is in our heart? Do we love God? Do we love his people? then we won't forsake gathering with other believers because perfect love casts out all fear. I mean, do we believe that we are in God's hand and that he is ordaining all of our days? Then he will preserve us until he is through with us. And then when he is through with us, then why would we want to remain in this cursed world of sin, disease, pain, sorrow, and death? when the Lord has prepared such a better place for us to be with him forever. Whatever may be going on in the world, let us not allow it to separate us from God and his people, but rather during those hard, crazy, confusing times, that's the time we need to spread out those matters before the Lord and seek his help, seek his wisdom, seek his courage and help so that we may endure victoriously. Listen, I don't want God to withdraw from me and test me. <laughs> that is why I take to heart what Jesus told us to pray in Matthew 6, 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
Verse 3, Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say, and from where did they come to you? So Hezekiah said, They came to me from a far country, from Babylon. And he said, What have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Isaiah asked Hezekiah two questions. What did these men say, and from where did they come? Hezekiah answered the second question, but not the first. Were there things that they told Hezekiah that he did not want to repeat to Isaiah? Isaiah immediately asked what the Babylonians had seen, and Hezekiah told him that he had shown them everything. That was foolish. Hezekiah had already been deceived by Sennacherib when he demanded tribute from him, and then after Hezekiah paid him, the king of Assyria invaded Judah anyway. So why would Hezekiah think that this king of Babylon would be any different? Why would he think that he would be more trustworthy? But Hezekiah was human like all of us and had the same weaknesses that we do. He had accomplished much for Judah in restoring the worship of the Lord, but he was not immune to the disease of conceit. We all have our weak areas, and we would be wise to spread everything out before the Lord and seek his wisdom and strength in all matters, great and small. Then our weak areas can be strong places, for God's power is perfected through our weakness, and God strengthens the weak who trust wholeheartedly in him. Isaiah prophesied that everything the Babylonians had seen would be carried to Babylon. Nothing would be left. Even some of Hezekiah's own descendants would be taken captive as slaves. This would not happen for about a hundred years, and it was not happening because of Hezekiah's sin per se, but for the accumulated sin of Hezekiah's descendants. In 605 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar would take some of the royal sons captive, including Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then in 586 BC, Nebuchadnezzar would destroy the temple and take away all the treasures. All this was a direct fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy to Hezekiah. So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good, for he said, at least there will be peace and truth in my days. Now, why did Hezekiah respond this way? Was he simply resigned to accept the will of the Lord in the matter? Or does this reveal a self-satisfied complacency that was in his heart? Would you be concerned if you knew that your children and grandchildren were going to become slaves in a foreign land? For Hezekiah to say, at least there will be peace and truth in my days, does not seem to me to be taking enough responsibility. While we are still alive, we have power to influence our generation and succeeding generations. 
yes, I do believe that we are on an inevitable course of spiritual decline that will ultimately result in the revelation of the Antichrist. But we don't know when that will happen. And in the meantime, we must do all that we can to train the next generation to stand firm in the evil day and be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. It could be that God will still bring revival. He did bring revival during the hundred years between Hezekiah and the Babylonian captivity. God would raise up Josiah, one of Hezekiah's descendants, to bring about the greatest spiritual revival in the history of Judah. He can do the same in our generation. So let us not become complacent or not think that the solution is going to be political, but rather seek the Lord on behalf of ourselves, our children and grandchildren, our nation and the future believers whom God desires to bring into his kingdom. It could be that God is preparing for the greatest spiritual revival the world has known. But if that is the case, then it will only come through the prayers and the efforts and the witness of his saints. God, make it so. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. And we do pray, God, for our nation, for our children, our grandchildren. We pray, Father, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon them and upon our nation. And that, God, you would bring forth a great revival in our days before our Lord Jesus Christ returns to take us with him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Next week, we will begin the second major division of Isaiah, dealing with God's restoration and deliverance. It begins with a simple message to the Jews, Comfort my people. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Isaiah on Simply the Bible.